0: Welcome back to another episode of A Desi Woman Podcast. I am your host, Sonia Gokwai, and the voices I am seeking may have never been heard before, but their stories deserve to be told. What is a Desi Woman? She is a dynamic, fearless, and strong woman. She is your mother, your grandmother, your daughter, your sister. She is every one of us who is on an endless pursuit of self-empowerment and fulfillment. I am Sonia Gokhale, and I am a Desi woman. Hello, and welcome to another edition of a Desi Woman podcast. I am your host, Sonia Gokhale, and today we are so excited to welcome Republican candidate for the Lieutenant Governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Puneet Aluwalia. Puneet is a businessman and community leader and is seeking to bring diversity to the country's political landscape at a time when there is a sudden national surge in violence against the Asian American community in the United States. Puneet is a Delhi public school alumnus who immigrated to the U.S. from India in 1990. And he now serves as a consultant to international businesses on client acquisition, marketing, and strategic affairs with the Livingston Group. The Republican Party is slated to pick its nominee for the lieutenant governor at a hybrid convention on
1: May 8th. Puneet, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sonia. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we are so excited to have you and as I contemplate interviewing political candidates from our diaspora for this podcast series, it is incredibly important for me to continue to bring forth special guest co-host to a representative of newly eligible voters in this country. Therefore, for this episode, I am so excited to be joined once again by a very special guest co-host, Jay Gokleit. And Jay Gokleit is a recent graduate of the Columbus Academy in Columbus, Ohio, and currently completing his freshman year in the honors program at the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. Jay is impassioned about a variety of political issues, both domestically and globally. And most importantly, he brings a fresh perspective to a Desi Woman podcast. Um, So Puneet, I want to start out with a quote directly from your campaign website, which I think encapsulates quite nicely what differentiates you from other candidates vying for this critical role in Virginia. You state, quote, as immigrants ourselves, my wife and I weren't born as Americans. We chose to become Americans, and for good reason. This is the greatest country in the history of the world, but we can't take our prosperity or our freedom for granted. We must work every day to protect and preserve the unity and the values so many of our fellow Americans have sacrificed and bled to preserve. So if you could tell me more about the sentiment and, and what prompted you to make the bold decision to put your hat in the ring for the Lieutenant Governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia.
1: Thank you, Sonia, for a great question. And thank you, Jay. I think we're fighting for your future. All young future of America is at stake. So hence the reason I joined it. But let me go back a little bit to explain. I've been a loyal soldier of the Republican Party for the last 20 years. And I've hosted various events, done more on the grassroots. And I believe this is time, especially in Virginia, for the large, growing, successful Asian-American pro- community to play an active role. And I, I say Asian because I'm Asian, but what I represent is a sentiment of every first-generation immigrant who has come to this country, worked hard, and achieved the American dream. So hence the reason I... Felt after the pandemic, after the the looting and rioting of last summer, and the various crushing uh, business killing attitude of the democratic control in Richmond, I felt it was important to tie the large diaspora, not only in Northern Virginia but in Richmond area and Virginia Beach, to actively participate and have a voice. So I'm becoming the voice of the large first generation and the Americans who feel that the leadership is not listening and want to have impactful legislation, which the the lieutenant governor does. And most importantly, use this this platform to call out on the wrong that's being done, like I've done on critical race theory, $15 minimum wage, like more taxes of different kinds, which is killing the small businesses, mom and pop shops, and also turning away businesses from virginia so that's what i'm the sentiment i'm kind of captured and i'm trying to usher that and most importantly my job is and my goal is just like any immigrant is to achieve the american dream but that american dream now has to expand for all virginians so that's the focus and the goal to run for office sonia
2: well,
0: no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and one of the reasons I really, really enjoy interviewing those that are running for a variety, whether at the state, local, or federal level, various offices across our country is because you immigrated to this country in 1990 from India and The quintessential immigrant story, I presume you have little to no money that you came over here with. My parents came here in 1962. And yes, yes, they've been here for some time. But I think this is really important because you're a successful businessman. But as you point out on your website, which I will have in the podcast notes, and I encourage everyone to please access it. You've had uh, wins and losses. I mean, your wife and you indicate that that it has not been an easy road, but you never gave up. And it's really your goal and aspiration that everybody, regardless of skin color or a class, can enjoy this proverbial American dream. And especially as a businessman who's weathered the ups and downs, would love to hear more about how you think this can be applied in the government and how it's perhaps not being applied
1: currently. Well, accountability and transparency. If the people working at the government or, let's say, teacher unions or people in the Veterans Affairs Department, I I cover different facets of it and I'll share why. If people know that their performance is being watched by the people of Virginia and America, then there's a certain level of accountability. They will perform. If you don't perform, you're fired. But in the government, there's no such requisite for people to ever be let go. Hence the reason for... As long as it takes, it takes almost, I'll give you a prime example, for veterans. It takes such a long time for them to get a service or see, be seen by a doctor, and hence the reason we see almost 21 suicides by veterans. And the reason why I say that I'm choosing the inefficiency of the government, and that's the difference between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. Republicans believe less and small government, and Democrats believe that the answer to all their citizens' issue is the big government, and and that's unfair, I think. Free enterprise system, personal individual liberty and freedom is more important. And I think our rights come from God, not from the government.
0: Puneet, one of the campaign issues which you are quite impassioned about pertains to the topic of critical race theory. We do have many global listeners, so I want to define in loose terms what we are talking about. Race has been historically and continues to be a very hotly debated topic in all aspects of American society, but especially as it relates to education. Proponents of critical race theory assert that it is a framework that offers researchers, practitioners, and policymakers a race conscious approach to understanding educational inequality and structural racism to find solutions that lead to greater justice. Placing race at the center of analysis, critical race theory scholars interrogate policies and practices that were purportedly taken for granted to uncover the overt and covert ways that racist ideologies, structures, and institutions create and maintain racial inequality. And notably, in the United States, many Asian-American groups are strongly opposed to this approach and concept. So can you tell me more about your perspective on this topic, and especially now in your role as a political candidate?
1: Sonia, this is a very sensitive topic. And the reason why I pick it up is because we all left this race identity politics back in India. And as you mentioned earlier, when you play this divisive goal, it's a very slippery slope and mind you, we've already had a civil war in this great nation over race. And we need to move forward, learn from the mistakes and move forward as a strong nation, as one nation. And this hyphenation of black America, Asian-American, American, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans and African-Americans has to become that we are all Americans. Because you have to realize our kids are now growing up in a melting pot. And, and it's far more important than you start dividing over color. Look, I'll give you a prime example. Look at the, uh, in, in Rwanda, the killing that happened between the Hutu and Tutsi were also, how did you define people or you, you identified people was on the case, uh, on the color of the, of, the, of the skin and the nose and the structure. Do we want to have another similar kind of catastrophe in our nation? This is where the Democratic Party and leadership is leading us into. And I believe this is all part of moving us towards socialism. And that's what I'm speaking up. And when you do this in schools, people grow up learning to identify and pe- put people in boxes. We need to get past that. We need to respect people for who they are, how they are, and respect each other, love each other if they, if they can, if they can't, but at least respect each other. Uh, it, calling you wrong doesn't make me right. What's important is that, that compassion, that empathy, that, that you know, you know agree to disagree mindset is important. And that's wrong. And that's the reason why I've raised my voice. A lot of people will not speak about it. I have chosen to speak about it. I've asked for Secretary Kearney, who is the uh, Secretary of Education of Virginia, to resign because that's unfair. We believe in merit-based education and I believe in merit-based success, merit-based opportunities. You know, this is a land of opportunities, but hard work guarantees that. But still, if it's not opportunity achieved, you know, you shouldn't penalize the system because it's still a fair play. And one more thing, Sonia, look at when we, I'll, I'll take the example of us Indians, and I think all people have succeeded who have immigrated here. When we Indians came, now from the time we have come and the time we are now, look at the amount of success we have achieved. From owning gas stations or supplying gases to gas stations to leading multinationals, having small, mid-sized businesses, it's huge success. And did anybody say, well, let's not give it to the Indians. Let's give it to some person of different ethnicity or different race or different minority group. No, it's a level play field. And that's what I'm speaking about.
0: And along those lines, you indicate that progressive Democrats who run most of our largest cities and counties have kind of trapped many poor communities that discourage job growth, deter small business startups, and restrict children to to schools that seem to be widely failing. They've created a dependency in some respects on government handouts and uh-huh. instead of a hand up in and, and a system that is really based upon economic mobility. And in your opinion, Democrats continue policies that ensnare generation after generation of minorities that believe there is no hope. And it's sort of the exact opposite of what you come from in India. And so I wanted to hear more about this from you and your message of hope, growth, and opportunity to every person, every family, and every community in Virginia.
1: So and Jay, I have to say this again I reiterate. It's very unfortunate that the Black American community, uh, who I call them my brother and sister, have really paid a heavy price. And I'll I'll give you an example on TJ. Most of the kids in TJ have to be at 3.8 GPA score. And we have historically seen in Fairfax their numbers between 3.3 to 3.2 between Hispanic Americans and Black Americans. Now, even if you inflate their GPA scores to 3.5, these kids are still being set up for a failure because the the baseline is 3.8. Now when these, you may pass them, give them the graduation uh, or give them the the certificate, but when they go into the real world for those jobs and those jobs eludes them, what it does is sets up a motion of frustration, disappointment and saying, well, look, uh, we we, we failed. It's important to mentor these kids from the second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Some kids are, are, are late bloomers, so be it. But it's important for us to use resources with the parents, not with the school unions or teachers unions, more important with the parents to make sure that we can help to guide that kid, be it of any race, to help to succeed. And, and, and all the more reason if we really want to help the black American community or the Hispanic American community mentorship program or guidance. And there are people who are in the private field who want to partner up. And I have spoken to a person who's from Black American Descent. He says, these teacher unions and these educational institutions have never partnered up, partnered with us to really help to mentor these kids. So it, it's basically a, a race beating. It's a way the cancel cult is now is to anything you say, oh, you're racist or oh, you're divisive. Well, I believe it's the, quite the opposite. It's them who are divisive. They are the one who are basically playing the identity politics. They are basically uh, setting our country up for a disaster. And that's a direction towards socialism.
0: Absolutely. And thank you so much for that response. And I would now like to turn it over
2: to Jay to pose a question to you. I guess the first question that I had is, how did you come to form your Republican beliefs? Uh, What experiences impacted or informed your perspectives? And why do you believe that the Lieutenant Governor position of Virginia will be the best way to accomplish your policy objectives?
1: Very good question. And I'll tell you, uh, I I have now realized how important it is to explain the difference between the Democrats. I think most people kind of mistake between Democrats with democracy and the Republican Party as the Republic. I think most folks do not understand. I, I think it's the ideological difference which most people. Oh, it's on the part of the Republicans. I say when people don't know, it's our fault. Uh, it's hence the reason I've taken upon myself to share what conservative values are, what Republican values, and why I'm a Republican. I, I strongly believe that our rights come from God, not from the government, which the Democratic Party believes in. I also believe that each person has the individual freedom, which means that they can pursue any area of opportunity they feel they want to pursue. And if they don't want to do it, that's entirely up to them. And I also believe that even if you don't believe in God, that's still fine. That freedom and liberty is your right. The government cannot dictate it or impose it or mandate it. That's the difference. And these mandates and these impositions come from the government, not in the Conservative Party or the Republican Party. The second thing is that I am a firm believer of the free market enterprise system, which means that that the government has no role in controlling the market. Let the free market expand and, and, and prosper. It is so important that which company is set to be a winner, which one is to be set to be a loser, is not picked up by the government because then it leads to... Uh, this, you know autocracy it leads to you know certain com- companies will prosper the other ones will will not fare very well and we are already starting to see especially in the small business where the government and the corporate houses are already controlling the pricing of cigarettes of coca cola or chips you know when i was sitting down with 1400 a association of 1400 members members of south asian said they our profits are going down, our rents are going up, our cost of business is going up when you start taxing them and when you start putting the minimum wage up, it becomes very hard to make that profit. So when the government and the corporations will mandate that you will buy the cigarettes at this price and sell it at that price, let's say you make only a buck of a profit, and then you're going to buy the Coke, the bottle of the can at this price and only sell it at this price, that's control. That's not fair. And hence the reason the free market enterprise is so important and family values, traditional values. And and now they have started to impose their values that who, ha, there's male, female, transgender. You know, I believe it's your choice, whatever you choose to be. But you don't have to impose that will on me. And especially the last one is the racial balancing, the identity politics, which is, you know, we are all Americans. It doesn't matter. You're a black American, Hispanic American. And whatever you choose to do, that's your choice. Individual freedom. That's the reason why I aspire the the conservative notion. I'm a I'm a firm believer of that, and that's the reason I'm a proud Republican. I have been there for 20 years because I look at us, most of the immigrants who have come here. It's a it's it's the American success story. It is not the government that made you successful. Now what is happening is quite the opposite. The government is telling you to collect the check and stay at home. Do not work, and that's hurting the hotel motels the gas station and all across the, the board because people have no incentive to work because the government is going to take care of them. Then who is going to pay the price Sonia And Jay, it's people like us who work hard and who pay taxes. Our taxes are going to go up and we have started to see the taxes on gasoline tax, on property tax, on utility tax, you know? And then you also have, you start paying, you are paying tax on your gross revenue instead of net revenue. You know, it's killing you off a thousand cuts. And I, I believe that, you know, less taxes are better for businesses because I should use that money to spend that money wherever I want it to spend. Or if I want to give it to an NGO or a faith-based organization, that should be my choice. I should not be mandated by the government.
0: Yeah, and I think what makes your campaign unique, and especially as a candidate unique, is again, you have that baseline business experience. So so you're speaking from experience as a small business owner and now working for a larger firm. And I think often we do not see that background in, in candidates who are running for office. And one of the interesting campaign items that you hold quite dearly and close to you pertains to broadband and broadband internet infrastructure. And interestingly, it's a a subject that you actually have alignment on as it pertains to democratic candidates in the field. The pandemic has demonstrated that the socioeconomic and racial disparities in terms of access to the internet is is very across the board. And it's so incredibly critical with school being offered online, people working remotely. Uh, More than 697,000 Virginians don't have broadband internet in their home due to a lack of infrastructure or its lack of affordability. And workers without a reliable internet connection in the home don't have opportunities to work from home. Many kids are falling behind their classmates in school who do have broadband at home. Virginia residents from old to young rely on affordable Internet as a way to connect with family and friends, get checkups from their doctors, access medicine and even sustain their businesses. And so it's very interesting. I wanted to hear your thoughts on resolving this issue.
1: One more thing I wanted to add, you know, when you said my business experience, you see, I know what it takes to create jobs, build businesses. And in other words, I know what it takes to sign at the bottom of the check every 15 days. Not just at the back of the check. This is how most of the Democrats are that the money is printed, it's full, it it comes from the sky someplace, and we can keep printing it. And it's easy to give people free stuff because when you're paying when it is not your money, it's easy to give away other people's money. Now coming back to the broadband issue, it is so important for our kids, our generation, to be able to compete globally. As you said, the pandemic has shown that there is no reason for us to be now sitting in offices, and I also firmly believe that one of when I travel in the rural part of Virginia, a lot of people, young people, move to the cities for jobs. But if now you have expanded the Wi-Fi and the broadband, there is no reason for these kids to go off, go to cities and leave their homes and leave their parents, uh, you know, all alone they can come back into those cities, have the best technology available to them, upload their resumes, talk to the world. Either you do business within Virginia or outside Virginia, and at the same time, keep doing their education, which is if they choose to do that. But the other thing which I'm also standing for, for you to know is that if you have God-given talent to be a welder, to be an AC person, you can do these vocational training programs and then open your business, because I still believe that, running your own business is the best way to succeed and and giving the best tax brackets you tax advantages you should get so i am a firm believer of making sure that people can have strong communities and the communities come when we bring the success of northern virginia virginia beach and the richmond area with the rest of virginia this way it helps with local economies local school system and local f- and 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 helps to build the family units. That's how you create, you know, a, a strong communities. And that's a, a, a cycle that takes a certain amount of time. So I want to use my position and my platform to have conservative and job creative, pro-school, pro-education legislations, which going to make sure that we as Virginians are the, one, the top place for us to, to raise a family, have businesses, have education, have work, and a nice, great place for us to stay. That's my goal. So I'm going to use my platform to attract those businesses. And if we have a conservative governor, I'll be the best COO of the governor to make sure that we are able to implement those successes envisioned
2: by the governor and myself. I guess the second question I had, and this kind of ties into critical race theory and some subjects relating to that, I guess I have a little bit of a personal statement, but then I'll get to my question if you'll have, bear with me with this. But I said, I believe wholeheartedly that our country was founded on patriotic beliefs, including freedom of expression, individual rights, and ultimately a shared belief of the expulsion of tyrannical ideals. However, an unfortunate characteristic of our nation's past was the establishment of inherently racist systems and institutions, most notably slavery and segregation discriminatory policies against people of color. I think it's important to teach both these parts of our history in order to inform people accurately about the United States of America. And there has to be the acknowledgement that while past actions were undeniably abhorrent, In today's society, we're working to bring to fruition our founding father's ideals and approaching situations with optimism rather than pessimism is most beneficial. So ultimately, my question is, would you agree with my sentiments? Uh, And then why or why not? And ultimately, what do you believe is the most important thing to teach others about our history, especially through the lens of ethnicity and race? I think
1: the founding fathers were very unique, and that's the reason uh, I feel when the founding fathers found that they had to fight for individual liberty, they all were in business people. <laughs> you have to you have to go through their backgrounds; they were all were the business people, and they stopped what they were doing, and they became citizen soldier. That's exactly what I have become: is a citizen soldier fighting for liberty and individual freedom. I, I will also share an important thing: this country is based on Judeo-Christian values, but this country still the Constitution protects everybody with their First Amendment right freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And you have to see that beside this nation having mainly founded on Judeo-Christian values, they accept people from all backgrounds. In fact, I was on a call today and I, was, I found out that Virginia has the largest number of temples. This would not be possible in a different part of the world. So they allow not only the temples, mosques, gurdwaras, various ethnic backgrounds, belief in God system, so this experiment as seen by the forefathers has worked very well. We're the only country, which is a republic and a democracy is so unique. And other kind of democracies are usually become sham democracies. And we have seen that, and we're also seeing that. So it's important for us to see that we are a unique experiment. And we have to make sure that we have to preserve that, not only for ourselves, but our future generation. So I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that as nation we are, we need to fight it. And I have also kind of disappointed with the media because they have played a very large role in playing identity politics, dividing us, asking us to rewrite our our, our history. Because I look at it this way, yes, there were wrongs done, but we have come far. We've had a, a, a black president. We have a black vice president now. and 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 let's learn from that and build the future. And most importantly, the slavery did not start in the United States. Slavery has been there for the longest time. The pyramids were built by the slaves. Uh, The Taj Mahal was built by, uh, I would say, semi-slave or indentured servants. So what are we going to do tomorrow? Are we going to take down the the pyramids? Are we going to take down the Taj Mahal? Where does this stop? So it's important for us to learn from our mistakes and start to learn to live together. That's the most important thing. And make sure this experiment called the greatest nation on the earth, United States of America, one nation under God, is indivisible. And that's what we all have to strive for. When you start, when you swear allegiance to the flag and to this country, it's very important that you hear those words and and, and really hold them close to your heart. If you cannot, then there's something wrong that you have not really understood and become part of this experiment and will help you get there. Well, that's a
0: really, really interesting perspective. And I do want to ask you about China. I had had a a contingency of women who identify as Hindus, proud Hindus and proud Republicans. And they indicated that their perspective and viewpoint of China is very different, perhaps, than the average, perhaps, U.S.-born American. And part of that pertains to the geopolitics and the role that China has played as a neighbor to India. Many people may not be aware that the Dalai Lama is no longer in Tibet. He has actually been given immunity and, and a place to land in India.
1: For a and- time.
0: Uh, Yes, exactly. And so I want to understand your perspective on China, not just as obviously now a very proud American and somebody that's running for political office, but just your history growing up in India and, and seeing their continued aggression. And from the geopolitical lens, which is not often your perspective and that of other South Asians or Indians is not often heard. So I would love to hear more about that topic from you.
1: Sure. Uh, You know, China has, (laughs) it's the Middle Kingdom theory. It's them against everybody else. So once people understand that, then they realize that we are everybody else. That includes India, the rest of the world, including United States. But I have to point out it's the CCP, which is the Chinese Communist Party. And I have in one of my statements said very categorically, if when I'm lieutenant governor of Virginia, I'll make sure that none of the Chinese companies with ties to CCP will ever have an office or any business in Virginia, period. At the same time, I also want to tell the Chinese Americans that I will also be their elected leader so that I can always hear their concerns on any racism issue. Because when you see Chinese, there are a lot of Chinese who have left China because of the atrocities being done. Look at Taiwan, look at Hong Kong, and they're paying a serious price for that. And we need to give support to these, to Taiwan and to Hong Kong. I'm a firm believer of that, because they want the democracy in their country and we are the only hope for them. At the same time, what China has been doing in South China Sea is unacceptable. And they've also been stealing our intellectual property and also looking to find, you know, find a way to engage with us in a covertly and openly. They have tried to push us on many occasions, especially even in the United Nations. They call us on the Black Lives Matter issue, which is a complete farce. But they have serious issues of, of human rights abuse, religious abuse against the Uyghurs. So the whole world has to see what China is and has to unite together to make sure that CCP and the leaders are undermined everywhere and anywhere else. So it is a huge threat for all free societies, but it's important that the CCP has also infiltrated the Democratic Party and basically found a way to fund them and change the narrative in the United States. And and, and that's a very big problem. So we need to make sure that we know who are our allies, who are our friends, and who are our enemies. At this point, the CCP has not seen, is not our friend. In fact, if you see the virus, I think they, sh- they lied to us and Americans have died. Not only Americans, people all across the world have died. And our economy has, been, uh, has suffered greatly. And I would also say that I believe all the money that we owe to China, we should simply say thank you. We're not going to pay for it because you lied to us and you did not play by the international rules of telling us that this virus was coming to our country you should have stopped it. So we have to have accountability, Sonia. And that's what is important. And we have to hold China accountable. But unfortunately, the Democratic Party doesn't know how to hold them accountable.
0: I would agree with you. And look, one of the issues I've done repeated podcasts, and I intend to do so, is the genocide that is currently happening on planet Earth right now in China. And it's uncomfortable. And I recognize that people maybe want to pretend it's not happening. But it's a modern day Holocaust happening right now, and even... Even Pompeo has gone on record and our State Department corroborating this. And so I am very interested to see what Biden and the United States do as it pertains to the Olympics, because there's really no gray area here.
1: We should not be going to the Olympics. We should boycott it. We have nothing in common with the Chinese uh, Communist Party. And what they're doing to the Uyghurs is unacceptable. And the entire community should stand against this atrocity and what they're doing to the people of their own people. If they can do it to their own people, guess who we are? Who We are going to be far treated worse. Well, we
0: cannot thank you enough for joining us today. Puneet Alawalia, candidate for lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and his website is PuneetAlawalia for LG.com, which I will have in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Sonia. Really appreciate for hosting me. And I look forward to being a guest on your show again.